Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome to another week, everybody. Big episode here. I want to start off first. I've got some articles to read, of course, um, and even more public admission that schools are closing and that teachers are quitting in droves. And I'm going to read directly from that. It was front page news, actually, in the Cincinnati Inquirer this past Sunday, which is huge. Again, a major uh, tri-state newspaper, big city, and uh, right over the entire front page. So I'm going to read through that a little bit later. And I've got some audio to play, too, from a Utah teacher who was fortunately fired for sounding like a complete lunatic, because they are a lunatic. And I want to get into that first here if I can. But let me let me start with this. Um, you know, they're... There was a lot of talk a number of years ago about avoiding a civil war in this country. And information, of course, was disseminated in cue drops and tweets and, and, and a lot of online posts on, on 4chan and 8chan and 8kun and, and a number of other places. And a lot of these posts were remarkably important. In fact, I don't think that their importance can can be understated. It, it was important. It, it forced individuals who were curious to continue to be curious and to exercise that curiosity. And as I've stated in the past, and it's been written about by countless individuals and spoken specifically uh, by countless individuals, is the fact that when an individual continues to be curious and maintains curiosity, and investigates that curiosity regarding any number of subjects, that's a person who's going to survive. That's a person who, again, will inform themselves on a variety of issues and end up hopefully living as a result of that. But as I've also stated, there is this jab spectrum that exists where countless individuals will cling on to particular subjects or particular people, whether they be Donald Trump or other politicians or what have you, and then they will just blindly follow whatever it is that those individuals say and do. And you think to yourself, well, this individual then, maybe, you know, they've done a, a great number of good things. They're a conservative, so to speak. Uh, you know, they're, they're awake. And then the next thing you know is is that they tell you that they've taken two jabs and a booster shot. Um, I even put that out on Gab, that there are individuals that will say all of that in one sentence. They'll say, oh, the voter fraud's terrible. I can't believe the election was stolen. There's no way that Joe Biden's the president. I support Donald Trump 100%, and I just got my booster shot. Uh, you know, I, feel, I felt super sick afterwards, but at least I got my booster shot. It's that wavelength of thought that is really the civil war that's going on in not only our country, but all over the world. Um, it is a psychological civil war, the likes of which that we have really never seen before. And there's frankly no avoiding it. And it was inevitable that it would occur, that you would have the division that we have uh, throughout the entire world. You have individuals again who claim to associate themselves with certain identities or labels or w whatever you want to call it. Again, conservative, liberal, progressive, uh, libertarian, w whatever name they, they think they are. 
my recommendation, of course, is that people not associate with those names, that they just seek the truth no matter what. And unfortunately, what's happening is, is a number of individuals are, again, clinging to these labels and these identities and then just doing and believing what those labels and identities do and believe, or at least try to brainwash individuals into believing. And that is the biggest problem. That is the civil war, because that's not individuality. That's not, you know, that isn't an individual. An individual who's clinging to all of that is not a person who is thinking for themselves as an individual. That's a person who is still following, not making their, their own minds up, not deciding what the truth really is and figuring out what, what the truth really is. Um, let me give you a couple of examples and a couple of stories. And my dad told me these recently, and it's just, you know, you listen and you listen, and then all of a sudden, you know, your head just drops when you hear things like this. Some of his neighbors uh, down the street, he was talking with them, and one of them is a retired pharmacist. And he's married, and the two of them were talking with my dad, and, and they told him, um, my dad told them about 2,000 mules and the election fraud video, and they knew that the, that the uh, election was stolen. They can't wait for Trump to come back, they said. They're conservative. And then they both said that they just got their booster shot. And the wife of the pharmacist said, apparently, that uh, she was very, very sick as a result of the booster shot. But, you know, at least they got their booster shot. And my dad is reporting now more and more with regularity from anybody who talks with him or who he talks with. If they tell him that they've taken the shots, he looks at them point blank and says, stop taking shots. Don't take any more shots. He had a very similar reaction, uh, an interaction rather, in the dermatologist's office. He was wearing a Make America Great Again shirt. And then an older couple started to talk with them, and they reported the exact same thing. Love your shirt. We want Trump to come back. The you know, election was stolen, and we just got our boosters. He looked at them and said, stop taking shots. Don't take any more shots. And they just fall silent. Or they'll say, well, we aren't planning on taking any more. You know, th that standard run-of-the-mill dismissive line. Well, we're not planning on it. We don't have any plans to take it. Okay. See, this is the problem. This is the civil war here. When you, when you drop that, that truth on countless individuals who are already jabbed, they just stare at you as if to say, well, um, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going through their minds. I, I really don't. It has to be complete confusion. There's no way that an individual, again, consistently turns on Fox News, turns on the television, uh, believes all of it, and actually thinks to themselves, well, I mean, they have to. They have to think to themselves that, that they have it all figured out. You know, Donald Trump said, take the shots. So that means we have to take the shots. How bad can they possibly be? Fox News doesn't say anything about anybody dying. So how bad can they possibly be? Donald Trump said he took a booster, so, well, we, we need to do the same thing. Again, we've seen the memes. We've seen these memes. 
this is the this is the old when your mother was raising you or your and your parents were raising you or whatever and they said you know if your friends jumped off of, of a bridge would you they jumped off of a building would you the answer for many of these people is yes their friends jumped off of a bridge they would if their friends jumped off of a building they would because complete strangers who they've never met on television are saying that they're jumping off of a bridge, but they don't view it as jumping off of a bridge. They think that they're jumping into a nice, plush, uh, feather-filled mattress, and it's just going to keep them safe and, and hug them, and everything is going to be all right. It's amazing. Not to mention the, the, the public and open admission that an individual has gotten sick from taking this, these shots and these poisons and yet, they openly admit that to people as if the individual is just going to look at them and, and do what? Empathize with them? Uh, you know, look back at them and say, oh, well, I had the same reaction. I mean, they looked at my dad and said, well, have you had your shots? And he goes, no, I'm not taking any of that. No. And I haven't had, quote unquote, COVID either. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing that the individuals throughout this entire civil war that's going on now, and of course the complete destruction of any civility whatsoever, which is what civil war is, it's a war on civility, that they aren't for, for, for a moment asking whether or not us unjabbed people are feeling okay. I mean, no one's polling us. No one's saying, hey, we need to talk to people who haven't taken it, and we need to gather the information as to why they haven't taken it. And we need to talk to them about whether or not they've been sick or not. And the fact is, is almost, I would say almost everybody who has not taken these shots has never had quote unquote coronavirus, feels 100% fine, and that's just the way that it is. But this is, you know, this is a civil war. And it's possible that if all of these evil plans weren't sped up to actually exist during our time in history right now, that the Civil War would have been worse. That's highly possible. And I believe that. I mean, it's, it's beyond plausible. But it just continues to be both the spoken conversation, I guess, and at the exact same time, it's the hidden conversation that doesn't exist among individuals. Because again, much like, much like the movie They Live with Rowdy Roddy Piper, you know, he puts on the glasses and he sees things a particular way. He takes his glasses off and he sees what society wants to show you, but he puts the glasses on and he sees reality. Again, when I interact with people, which is not often, that's all I'm thinking. I'm thinking to myself, these people have got to be jabbed. They have to be jabbed, and they have to not know what's going on. Um, you know, we, we even, every now and again, I'll, I'll interact with someone who has been jabbed, and I'll just wonder to myself, well, what are they thinking about? Because they know that I'm not jabbed. So what are they thinking, and, you know, are they thinking about what I'm thinking, and you know, it just becomes this, it becomes this head game that really does impede certain levels of civility to some extent. 
uh, it's not you know I don't yell at people because they're jabbed, uh, and I and I certainly don't attempt to engage them in any particular uh, persuasion of any kind. I, I mean, they've made their decisions, and I don't even like when people say, "Well, they've made their choice." They made their choice. No, th- there weren't choices that were made here. It was the illusion of a choice, and they chose poorly. They chose poorly. They were coerced without w- without knowing a lick about what was going on. And again, these these double, single, double, and triple jabbed and quadruple jabbed individuals. You t- you ask them, well, what have you injected yourself with? They can't tell you. They don't know. Again, that is a level of brainwashing that is second to none. I think it's absolutely second to none. So. I'll I'll just summarize that by by saying this. Summarize this rant by saying this. There is a civil war. Without a doubt. It is a war on civility. It's a war on conversation, it's a war on thought and it's destroying not only the minds of countless individuals, both the jabbed and the unjabbed. You know, keep in mind us unjabbed, us purebloods, this isn't easy for us either. I, would, <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't say it's harder, but it's certainly its own level of difficulty because we're having to walk around the jabbed, who have no idea what they've done. They have no idea. Not only to themselves, but their own family members and their own children, for God's sakes. That's the horrific part. So. I don't know. It's it's uh, it is a war on civility. It is a civil war. It, there is no doubt about it, and that's again one of the reasons why I consistently refer to this all of this as a war. That's exactly what it is. But the business of there not being a civil war or that a civil war was avoided. Uh, no, a civil war was not avoided. I would say it's it's. It's plausible that a less serious civil war was avoided, but uh, we have a civil war right now, the likes of which, again, we've never seen. We're not talking about muskets and cannon fire yet. Right now, we're talking about a psychological civil war between, again, family members, neighbors, you name it. And, um, And it's awful. So... I don't know. Act accordingly, I suppose, but do understand and, and be able to grasp that yes, this is in fact a civil war, and wars are not fun because they're not supposed to be. Okay. With that said, um, let me summarize the Michigan Zoom call that I had. Michigan Liberty Leaders. It was an excellent Zoom call. I put a bunch of screenshots from this, I want to say it was almost two hours. It was probably two hours long. It was two hours long. Um, PowerPoint presentation, which was put together by an excellent woman named Maria, and she's the head of Michigan Liberty Leaders. You can look them up online. It was very well done. This is a very based individual. She knew what she was talking about, and uh, it was excellent. It was just excellent. She had everything broken down regarding What's going on in K-12 education? There was little to no discussion about the masks and the jabs and the coercion that's taken place throughout the last two years. But when it hit the question and answer session, so to speak, and discussion toward the end of the presentation, 
Um, I let everybody else speak for the most part who, who was interested in it, and I figured I'd add my two cents. And I did. And I thanked her again for the presentation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and the angle that, that she took and that a lot of people, of course, listening to it and watching it were taking, and there were at least 20 people who were participating in this and, and, and watching it and listening. But the, the angle that they took was that this presentation is proof of how you can educate yourself and the people around you to take schools back, to take back control. And I took the opposite approach. And I told her that, and I told the audience that, and the and the the other participants. I said, "Thank you for the presentation. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, you highlight all the criminal organizations that are you know that have their hands in the cookie jar and uh, and are influencing this corrupt business that is American education, both at the public, private, and charter school level." Um, I added a few words about higher education and how you've heard me say on this podcast, the wick is burning at both ends because it is. And they're hiring practices and the things that they do when they're hiring individuals because they only hire their own. They, they claim diversity, 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 but all they do is, of course, hire their own like-minded radical selves just in the form of someone else. Um, but I said, instead of the presentation being a evidence-based approach, which it is, and it was great, um, focused on saving American schools, I said, I, th I think it's the opposite. I think that it's stone-cold proof of why people should leave the education business, and they should leave American school, without a doubt. Uh, and the look on her face was, she, she, she seemed to understand, but you know, she's interested in trying to, trying to make things better. Um, she has a 15-year-old son, which was interesting to hear her talk about that as well, because I thought to myself again, and you know my approach, because I've said it here on the podcast on, on countless occasions, that if your child is old enough to read, your child is old enough to teach themselves. And I'll beat that horse to death. Um, because she was even talking about him going to school and and... Uh, being forced to fill out a survey that, of course, is just data mining information that uh, th that has to do with him and his perceptions on particular school-related or drug-related or sex-related issues. She even told the administration, "Hey, look, I don't want I don't want him taking this." And they said, "Okay," and then they ended up giving it to him anyway. And he didn't take it. He just turned the survey back in. But she, you know, she, very rightly, she went on a run about how. Countless students and teachers and school employees are taking countless surveys now. I mean, that was a big thing when I was a school teacher. There were lots of surveys, and there were even more tests that were being taken. When, in fact, as you've heard me even say here before, the only test that is legally bound for students to take is the state one time a year state standardized test. There's no other test, county test, district test. Uh, literacy, achievement test, no, none of that. There's no other test that they have to legally take. Every student can opt out of every single test that they want. The problem is they don't tell parents about it. So they just spring it on students without the parent's knowledge. And then the student goes home and says, well, I was pulled out of this class and I had to take this test. And, and the parent's going, what test? What, what, what test are you taking? So 
you know, it, it was just a, it was an excellent presentation without a doubt. Again, you can check out my Gab account. I've got uh, numerous screenshots on there, uh, again, related to the Castle program, social emotional learning, the gender bread man. And she just did an excellent job highlighting all of the criminal organizations and global organizations that are associated with these K-12 higher ed programs. Again, the social emotional learning stuff, all of it. And uh, it was it was just an excellent presentation. But again, it was, in my opinion, it was proof that it's it, it, that the criminal bubble is just too big. It's too big. The house of cards is too tall. There's no way. There's no possible way to wrap your arms around it and fix it. It's too incestuous. Because uh, again, the, those very global organizations buy, pay for, and corrupt politicians. So even if a person ran at the local school level for school board, and there were some participants in the Zoom call who, again, were running for school board, and once they got done hearing what I said, um, one in particular, she, she was rather concerned. She thought, well, now I'm wondering whether or not I should even do this, because if the whole system is collapsing, I mean, what, 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 am, I, what am I doing with my time? And she made a good point. She said, look, if I do run, and her husband was running for county commissioner, I think, in, in Michigan as well, where, wherever they live. And uh, he, he told her, hey, look, it's not that you have to change everything per se, but maybe you can open up some eyes and, uh, and shine a light on particular issues that people haven't even thought about yet. Because, yeah, there's a lot of dead asleep people out there who still have no idea what's going on. So I wouldn't necessarily discourage anybody from running for office. Just understand, as I said, even in the presentation, if you do and you're on the majority of a school board, you have to run a bulldozer straight through the district office. Your first move has to be to fire the superintendent. You vote to, you vote to end his contract and you buy him out of his contract. And then you do the same thing with the HR director. You cut them loose and then you do the same thing with the treasurer and you cut them loose. And then you do the same thing with all of the diversity, equity, and inclusion groups and clubs and the people who get paid to implement all that garbage. You cut them loose and so on and so on. So, you know, that was basically the presentation. I, I, I did enjoy it. I'm going to try to email her. Their email system was down for some reason on their website, so I, I couldn't email her back. But um, I would like to email her and, and get the recorded presentation and stick it up on my BitChute channel so that other people can see it and other people can, can listen to it if they're interested. But um, yeah, it was an, it, I personally thought, again, just in summary, that it was an excellent presentation on not how to save American schools, but how to run away from them. And it's just more evidence of their criminal nature. And I'm sorry, but an individual cannot go up against the World Health Organization and win. You can't. You can't go up against the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation as an individual or as a school board and win. You can say no all you want. You can vote no, vote that, you know, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that, we're not implementing this, we're not implementing that. But if it's state law, as a school board, you have to implement it. You don't have a choice. At least that's my understanding. Or else, again, you're, you're breaking the law. And again, keep in mind, and I didn't mention this in the presentation, and I swear I'll stop talking about it now, but one of the things that a lot of 
patriots who who decide to sit on a school board don't take into consideration is just because they win, that does not mean that the fight is over. You're going to have leftists and Marxists and Bolsheviks doing everything that they can do to get you out of office. They will slander you. They will libel you. They will um, come after you with ethics complaints. They will send threatening emails to you. I mean, the fight just starts once you enter office because they are waiting in the shadows to basically watch you make a mistake so that they can pounce. We, of course, do the same thing with the Marxists who are already there, but they do the same with us too. You know, it's fighting fire with fire for the most part, but don't think that you're free from any kind of scrutiny or, uh, you know, horrible tactics that they're going to use against, against good people because they do it all the time. So it's their MO. That's, that's just what they do. Um, okay. <laughs> Speaking of Marxist and Bolshevik whack jobs, there was this story earlier this week, and I put the audio out on Gab, of a Utah teacher who, again, decided to use TikTok, as they all seem to for some reason. And this proves, again, that they are not thinking people. They're putting their face and voices on, on social media and ripping off one line after another about gender this and gender bending that and LGBTXYZ crap and this, that, and the other. And they think that, again, patriot-minded human beings aren't going to use their own words against them and that they're not going to complain to the district offices about what these teachers are saying and doing online on these TikTok videos. It's astounding. It's, it's as if none of them have learned. There's an entire, again, there's an entire Twitter channel dedicated to catching these people, and it's libs of TikTok. And this woman, again, has been doxxed, and uh, her identity's been revealed in XYZ because, again, she's highlighting all of these lunatic so-called teachers that cannot keep their mouths closed. So before I, I get into this, I want to focus on the phenomenon of teachers engaging in this kind of activity. And they tend to be, again, whack job leftists who can't keep their mouths closed. And, and this, again, falls right in line with narcissistic personality disorder. And it is certainly a personality disorder. Uh, I, I know that I've said on Gab that it's a form of exhibitionism. I personally think that it is, even though it has nothing to do with nudity. But in many cases, again, given the subject of sex and them bringing up the subject of sex on, on video and on TikTok and drawing attention to themselves regarding it, I do think that it is a form of exhibitionism, but it is certainly uh, a personality disorder. So I'm going to read off this description of the criteria out of DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for uh, Mental Disorders. And under Narcissistic Personality Disorder, it's, uh, it, it mentions seven major points here. And then I'm going to play the audio, and then I'm going to read the story, because fortunately, this individual out of Utah ended up getting fired. Sometimes they get fired, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get fired, 
like uh, an ex-college professor, university professor not that long ago, and then they just got rehired at Johns Hopkins University. I mean, these people, uh, you know, it's... The, the crazies hire the crazies, and sometimes they just let them drown. They say, well, they have nothing to offer. They're, they're crazy, but you know, they don't have the credentials to, to work at a crazier institution like Johns Hopkins. So uh, you know, we'll just let this K-12 teacher just drown in the sea of craziness, but um, uh, other people will hire because you know, they fit our kind of crazy. So narcissistic personality disorder, as defined here, uh, says the following. It says, a pervasive pattern of grandiosity in fantasy or behavior, a need for admiration and lack of empathy beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. There are seven points here. Number one, has a grandiose sense of self-importance, exaggerates achievements and talents, expects to be recognized as superior without commensurate uh, without commensurate achievements. Number two, it says it is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Three, believes that he or she is special and unique and, only, and can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high-status people or institutions. Number four, requires excessive admiration. Number five, again, well, number four basically defines all of these teachers on TikTok doing and saying what they're doing. Number five has a sense of entitlement, i.e. unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations. Number six is interpersonally exploitive, i.e. takes advantage of others to achieve his or her own ends. And number seven lacks empathy is unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others. Now, here's the interesting part, too. Almost every single K-12 administrator that I've ever met fits within these categories. And again, if, if they possess five or more, then it is classified that apparently they would be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. Um, there you go. So, with that said... Give her audio a listen in three, two, one. My kids from last year are now in fifth grade and they come visit me almost every day after school. And a lot of them are queer because I am queer. And so, and they figured it out. And so I've become their safe space. And today they found my guess who. And they started playing guess who, but they didn't play it the normal way. How did they play it? They use things like, this person looks like a lesbian baddie who's going to come over and make you dinner. Well, which one of these characters is going to be, is a lesbian baddie that's going to come over and make you dinner? Oh, Olivia is? Oh, great. Um, which character just looks gay? Well, meet Mike. Um, these kids, I'm so happy that they are figuring out who they are and that they're happy with who they are and that they found a safe place. But man, I could never imagine being in fifth grade saying these things out loud, even though I know they're all, all okay. I grew up super religious where nothing was okay. And so seeing this happen, I'm like, ah, but I'm almost like, yay, but ah. All right. Well, I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not a psychologist. These are subjects I've studied, but I'm not licensed in either one of these areas. Don't have to be to know crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, I've watched this clip and listened to this clip now probably four or five times. 
immediately the look in her face is the face of an individual who is having a hard time grasping reality. She's damaged, um, if not medicated, but she's, she's not well. Again, when she turns to the side to grab one of the game pieces she's describing, you can see just this lost silhouette of a person. She's gone. Again, it's, it's in her face. She's just, she's not well. I know that I've said that a lot, the word, <laughs> the, the phrase not well, but I don't know how else to really describe it. She's an, uh, just hollow. And again, grasping at straws, hence the manic tone of her voice. She's all over the place. But this is not a person who belongs around children. They probably don't belong around themselves. Uh, a straight jacket, a padded room, who, who knows? But this is just not a healthy person. And again, if they're jabbed, that's not going to improve anything because spongiform encephalopathy is a real thing. Uh, right. So let me, let me read this story here because again, this kind of mental illness is costing people their jobs and thank God it it cost her, her job. Um, forever she will be on, on social media forever. She'll be on TikTok and these other platforms like rumble and and whatever else, because again, her, her behavior is out there. No one, no one hires this without knowing now what they're hiring. It says, quote, from Lehigh, Utah, and this comes from redvoicemedia.com, a fourth grade teacher from Renaissance Academy out of Lehigh was reportedly fired following the backlash that erupted due to her admitting on video that reached a wider audience thanks to libs of TikTok to having discussions with students about being queer. Jenna Hall is now officially a former fourth grade teacher at Renaissance Academy following the highly controversial video she uploaded to her personal TikTok account, where she delved into talking about being queer with her students while also boasting about an obscene manner some students were playing the game, guess who, in her classroom. Uh, I'm not going to read what she said there, but uh, it says, Needless to say, the video that achieved a broader reach thanks to the Twitter account Libs of TikTok managed to stir up quite the controversy, uh, initially resulting in Hall being placed on leave while school officials investigated the matter. Again, when, when an investigation like this takes place, they're looking at her behavior. Now, I'm not saying that the people who work within these school districts uh, are very bright people themselves. Many of them are just as crazy as she is. But they're looking at that video and then they're asking themselves one question. Are parents going to continue to complain and are parents going to trust this individual with their child? If the answer is no or it leans toward no, they have to fire the person. It almost doesn't matter how innocent the comments may or may not be. If they if district officials ask themselves that question about parental trust, and they lean toward the answer being no, we can't trust this person with with parents' children, then again they have to cut them loose. Uh, it says Mark Ursick, executive director of Renaissance Academy, noted in a statement at the time Hall was placed on leave that the offending video showed Hall describing 
quote, several inappropriate conversations with former students, and that teachers are expected to comport themselves with the highest degree of professionalism. That's funny. Uh, it says, Ersic's initial statement further added, behavior that is unprofessional in violation of state code or that violates the trust placed in us by the families of Renaissance Academy will not be tolerated. And there you have it. It then wraps up and says, Come May 13th, Ersic confirmed in a follow-up statement that Hall is no longer employed with the school, saying school officials and Hall mutually agreed that her leaving is the best decision. Jenna Hall previously submitted her resignation for the 2022-23 school year on April 19th, subsequent to the investigation earlier this week. We have mutually agreed to end our employment relationship for the current school year effective immediately. While Ersic uh, alleges that this was a decision that was mutually agree agreed upon, it's more likely that Hall was outright told that her time was up at the school in light of a brazenly inappropriate discussion she admitted to holding with 10 and 11-year-old children in her classroom. The end. Again, that's one of the things that occurs as well. When an individual is placed on administrative leave, and the individual is in fact guilty of a of a, a major event of some kind or major infraction. Uh, they usually tell the person you're going to be fired, so you'd better resign. And then that's the approach that they take. Uh, me personally, again, because this has happened on numerous occasions, of course, where innocent individuals are falsely accused all of the time. My recommendation is those situ in those situations is is you make them fire you. Make them provide all of the evidence that they have in writing and make them fire you and then use all of that against them in the future. In her case, in uh, Miss Hall's case, she has no case here. I mean, she's, she's done. But there you go. In her case, again, resigning or being fired six to one, half dozen to the other, it does not matter. Um, she's not well. She should seek serious treatment. And if again, if you've seen the video... The look is in her face that this is not, this is not a healthy individual. And again, I would go so far as to say that schools are filled with these people. Um, some of them are so narcissistic that they reach out to social media and video platforms to uh, express themselves and make themselves look more, oh, I don't know, um, what's the word, better. <laughs> they just they just do it to make themselves look better than they actually are. Uh, the, the normalization of mental illness is an attempt that the mentally ill will make, but they stand out like a sore thumb. It's sad, frankly. I just, I think it's sad. Uh, here's the next thing. Here's the uh, Cincinnati Inquirer headline, and I'm going to read this straight from the paper. It's absolutely incredible. This is, uh, this is remarkable. As, as you've heard me say in the past, they can't run away from this. This is completely unavoidable. Front page, Cincinnati Inquirer, Sunday, May 15th, 2022. It says, quote, the headline, nothing left to give. Teachers are quitting in droves. Districts struggle to keep them. This is written by Madeline Mitchell. So, Keep in mind, um, I have a feeling they're going to avoid the jab and mask and child abuse that's been going on over the last two years, but they're going to blame it on a whole bunch of other things. 
It says, quote, Emily McNamara went into her eighth year of teaching knowing it would be her last. The stress of the job had impacted her health, she said. She went into the profession wanting to help children and families with special needs, hoping to guide them on a path to independence. Now, I'm going to stop right there real quick. That right there is a noble cause. That is typically the noble mission that a sound-minded human being will have when they enter the teaching profession. They want to help children. They want to educate them, and they want to teach them to be individuals. What they end up finding out, these teachers, is they end up finding out that independence is the least thing that schools are seeking to achieve with students. They want collectivism, not individuality. They want hive mind, not individual thought. And once all of those policies start to weigh down on a teacher, uh, the mental and emotional health of that person can snap. It continues, it says, for about half her career, other students without cognitive learning disabilities were put in her classroom after displaying behavioral issues, throwing chairs, cursing, lunging at teachers. She said, quote, I would come home and I would just have nothing left emotionally to give, McNamara said. She said she believed she was doing a disservice to her students many days of the week because she wasn't feeling her best self. I hate that phrase. Best self. It's my best self. You just weren't feeling well because you're, you're broken. I get it. But, yeah. Anyway, it says, and she couldn't imagine starting a family of her own while continuing in her career she thought she always wanted. After five years at Fairfield City Schools, which is a rough school district, in fact, Fairfield City Schools is the school district where um, Emily Olson was attending before she took her own life. And I, of course, I I brought that up on the podcast in the past, but that's, again, same school district. And then three years at at Lebanon City Schools, including a few months teaching during the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. McNamara left the classroom in pursuit of a career that would give her energy rather than take it away. She started her own business, first small change, and now works as a health educator and fitness coach. Since McNamara completed the 2019-2020 school year at Lebanon, her resignation is counted in 2021. See, she didn't stick around for the fun. She didn't stick around for the fun part. Uh, which was the 2020-2021 school year. That's where the chaos erupted. It continues. It says 11 other Lebanon faculty members resigned that year, totaling nearly the same number of district resignations as the previous three years combined. And that's huge because that's happening everywhere. It says from 2019 to 2021, educator resignations in Ohio nearly quadrupled. And there were five times as many retirements, an inquirer analysis of state data shows. The data came from the State Education Department's Education Management Information System, EMIS, and are reported by districts. In Kentucky, statewide teacher turnover rates have stayed consistent at around 16 to 18% over the last four years. But 2022 survey results from the State Education Department show as many as three in four Kentucky educators are concerned with the emotional well-being of their colleagues as a result of their work. Nearly two in three educators said they were concerned about their own emotional well-being. 
Quote, the daily staffing scrambles and shutdowns are just some of the most recent symptoms of the problem our schools and districts are experiencing, Kentucky Education Commissioner Jason Glass wrote in a February op-ed. At the prime time of hiring this past spring and summer, school districts struggled to find people to interview. Oh, kitten, it's going to get a whole lot worse. It's going to get a whole lot worse, in particular when these numbskulls come to the realization that forcing masks and jabs on people is going to be their undoing, not just personally and individually, again, but as an entire profession. They've destroyed it themselves, and they don't know it. It's amazing. It continues, it says, while the pandemic certainly played a role in driving current and potential teachers from the classroom, Educators and ex-educators alike say burnout and fatigue are long-standing issues that might be corrected through student and faculty mental health support, smaller class sizes, and deeper engagement from higher-ups in state education departments. No. No. That's, that's ludicrous. People want to be left alone. Teachers get into the business to be really left alone. The teachers that are the worst educators are the ones who get in it for the wrong reasons. They get in they, they get in it to feel the power grab because they're power crazy because again they have narcissistic personality disorder and and it's undiagnosed. Uh they go back to school to relive the old days and they love the control and they love being controlled. Those are the worst educators. The best ones are the ones that want to be left alone. They can sustain themselves, they can manage themselves, they're professionals, and they just want to be left alone. It's that simple. But again, the system is designed to not leave them alone. Because the system from the outside in, the government control from the outside on top of them inside the building, is designed to destroy them. It's designed to break them down to consistently reinvent the wheel. And then again, the wheel stops spinning, and then they quit. And then they all wonder why. And then they blame again the, the regular old pincushions uh, like fatigue and uh, it's burnout and all this other stuff. No, it's way worse than that. It continues, it says, quote, It just feels like our system is broken from the top down, McNamara said. She said administrators and those making state education laws don't seem to understand the difficulties of day-to-day -day teaching. Quote, If those people have ever stepped foot in a classroom, they've clearly forgotten how hard it can be, she said. Unquote. And this is a rather long article, uh, and it does continue. There's a section about the high turnover rate hitting rural Kentucky schools. It says 19 Grant Kentucky schools teaching positions experienced turnover in the 2020-21 school year, according to state data, and that's the lowest turnover rate that the district saw in the last four years in the 2018-19 school year. 34 teaching positions experienced turnover. The school system serves about 3,500 students from Williamstown, Dry Ridge, and the surrounding areas of Grant County. It says District Superintendent Matt Morgan said that he thinks that the high turnover rates are because the district is in a rural county sandwiched between higher-paying districts. No, that's not true either. You can't blame demographics for your own stupidity, but demographics, as even Vanessa Hurst brought up on this podcast on numerous occasions, because uh, again, she's from Nelson County, Kentucky, 
they'll blame demographics constantly. Well, people are moving and they're going to, you know, better schools and whatever else. That's some of the problem, but most of the problem has to do with the poor decisions that you're making within. Because if you were really a successful school, no one would want to leave. It's like a good restaurant. If the restaurant serves great food, no one will want to leave. But you can't blame the Chick-fil-A next door or the other restaurant on the other side of the restaurant because, you know, well, there's more competition and, uh, you know, there's just more well-known names and blah, blah, blah. No, it's just, it's more, it's more of that narcissistic not wanting to, um, accepting a responsibility for your own ineptitude. It's ridiculous. It says the teacher shortage coupled with the substitute teacher shortage is a real problem for schools. No kidding. Because you're jabbed and crazy and dying. Uh, it says Morgan said sometimes they need to split classes and disperse students among their classrooms when staffing is really low or use staff who may not quite be certified for the position and train them up to fill teaching roles. Train them up. Here's the last section, because that kind of drags on a little bit, but there's a, the last section is titled Mental Health Support Needed for Students and Teachers. I, uh, wow. Okay, burnout, we're experiencing a lot more, blah, blah, blah. If we think that the mental health crisis is bad for kids, it's probably just as bad, if not worse, for teachers, because they are facing immense crises for a long period of time with little respect and support. You cannot pour from an empty cup, they said, and this particular individual named Fiat is worried that teachers are, are expected to implement social and emotional learning practices at school without, without meeting their own mental health needs. Many teachers have kids of their own struggling at home too, which can only add to their stress. She said districts should implement whole school social and emotional learning plans that include support for teachers and staff. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the kicker. What this person said at the end of this article is the kicker. You create the problem, and then you implement the already pre-programmed solution. You've heard me say it before. It is the Hegelian dialectic. That, that's what this is. They're destroying the profession so that they can implement more garbage in an attempt to fix it, quote-unquote, their own way. School-wide, staff-wide social-emotional learning is brainwashing. It's just more brainwashing. The mentally unfit are the ones that cling to these kinds of programs and actually think that it's helpful. And then, on top of that, the mentally unfit will even project their own mental unfitness or lack of fitness on their own biological children, and then they'll do it with their own students in the classroom. And they'll say, well, my kids need this too. My students need this too. And then before you know it, government has scooped up the teacher, the parent, the students, and the biological children of said teacher. And then it's game over, because now government's hand is on top and underneath and cradling everybody only, of course, to then squeeze and crush it. It's astounding. They, they don't understand that the very thing that they're, that they're asking for, this particular fiat individual, that the very thing that they're asking for is the very thing that is leading to their own personal, mental, and emotional, and professional destruction. 
and they don't get it. They have no idea. Well, we need social-emotional learning. We've heard a lot about it over the last number of years, and uh, yes, it's finally time that we have it ourselves as teachers. It's not just the students who need it, it's us. And what does that again mean? It means everybody's acting like they're a counselor. Would you want that Utah teacher, who sounds like a crackpot, because they are, counseling anybody? Again, they can't counsel themselves. <laughs> what? what on earth makes anybody believe that they could possibly counsel someone else, let alone someone else's biological child? It's nuts. Here's, uh, they do have this in conclusion. They have a chart here right in the middle of the story. It says, how, retirement, how retirements have changed for Ohio educators. It says, Ohio educator resignations jumped from 1,282 in 2017 to 3,165 in 2021. Of the total resignations over the time period, 25% said they stayed in the education field. 25% are sticking around in the education field in some capacity. Most are just leaving to go do something else. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Again, it's by their own hand. They're putting the gun in their mouth and pulling the trigger and then blaming somebody else. And then their body's lying there. Sorry to get so graphic, but their body's lying there. Their hand's on the gun. Their prints are on the gun, and they're going, oh, my suicide note said it was it's someone else's fault. <laughs> okay, who's, who's, who's actually going to believe this? Who believes this? It's astounding. The business is crumbling. I'm going to keep saying it. It's, it's crumbling. It's crumbling to the ground, and nothing can possibly save it. Uh, along those same lines, academic scores, as you might expect, are also falling. And being destroyed. This comes from the bully elephant. There you go. The bully elephant.com. It says Washington, D.C. schools spent more per pupil than any state, but had the lowest scores in the nation. It says, quote, D.C. public schools spent $31,843 per pupil, but D.C. 8th graders had lowest math and reading scores in the nation, reports CNS News. Washington, D.C. spent more per student than any of the 50 states. The public schools in Washington, D.C. spent a total of $31,843 per pupil in the fiscal year of 2020. Meanwhile, the National Assessment of Educational Progress tests administrated in 2019 showed that only 23% of 8th graders in D.C. public schools were proficient or better in reading, and only 23% were proficient in or better in mathematics. It says the average reading test scores for D.C. 8th graders was lower than the average for 8th graders in any of the 50 states. The average math score for D.C. 8th graders tied with the averages for 8th graders in Alaska and New Mexico for the lowest in the nation. By contrast, Utah spent only $9,424 per student, less than a third as much as D.C., yet its students performed above average. The Washington, D.C. schools have been spending more than any state for years, as it's, even as its students lag behind the students of all other states on tests, according to the National Center for Education Statistics. It says, quote, in 2019, 8th graders in D.C. public schools had an average score of 250 out of 500, 
in the NAEP reading test. That was a lower average than any of the other 50 states. That same year, according to NCES, D.C. public school 8th graders had an average score of 269 out of 500 in the NAEP mathematics test. Uh, That tied D.C. 8th graders with those in New Mexico and Alabama for the lowest average mathematics score in the nation. Yeah. Money doesn't mean anything when it comes to effective education. And again, if you don't teach the truth to students, as old Judge Judy says, if you tell the truth, you don't need a good memory. But unfortunately, the lies that are taught in school, that even the teachers themselves don't know to be lies, they believe it to be real, made up things like gravity, that's not real, It's only density and buoyancy, but again, how much do you hear about gravity in school? Gravity this, gravity that, gravitational pull. You have to to remember these lies and memorize these lies. And then, of course, push them on minors instead of investigating what the actual truth is. So it would be so much easier if these individuals, again, weren't brainwashed, knew what the truth was, and taught it. I kid you not, you would have academic success through the roof. We would be the number one nation in the world uh, for, for academic achievement. But we don't teach the truth. We teach lies and we brainwash the individuals that are responsible for teaching. And that's not going to end up well for anybody. Um, yeah. Okay, a couple of final things to wrap up here. Uh, a couple of jab-related things, some more statistics, again, consistently coming out. ABC News and their propaganda machine is now calling it this. This is the actual title of the article. It's called Breakthrough Deaths Compromise Increasing Proportion of Those Who Died from COVID-19. It's word salad. My interpretation is this. The jabs don't work, they know it, and now they're calling them breakthrough deaths. So if you're jabbed and you die, it's a breakthrough death. You have coronavirus, COVID-19, quote-unquote, and that's the cause of your death. Not the jabs, though. And they're calling them, again, breakthrough deaths. It's mind-boggling. It says, quote, these data should not be interpreted as vaccines not working, one expert said. Well. If you're saying that, then that's exactly what it means. It means the jabs don't work. Now, they don't work when it comes to preventing illness, but of course they do work regarding their intended use, which is wiping people out. So, yeah, that's working. Next one comes from uh, the Expose. Love this website. Fully vaccinated young adults are 92% more likely to die than unvaccinated young adults, according to the Office of National Statistics. Uh-oh. And yeah, it's exactly what you would think. It says, the numerous charts here, it says all causes de- all cause deaths following COVID-19 vaccination in England between the 1st of January 2021 and the 31st of January 2022. The chart is massive. It's massive. 41,449 vaccinated deaths less in less than 21 days. 
and vaccinated deaths between 21 days and six months ago is 29, I'm sorry, 290,915. The more shots you get, the quicker you are to die. I, uh, again, the jab spectrum, ladies and gentlemen, the stories that I mentioned at the beginning, the, these people poison themselves and they have no idea what they're doing. Oh, I can't believe I got sick from the third jab. It's got to be arguably the dumbest statement I've ever heard in my life. Here's the last thing I'll read. And I know I've been reading a lot. My apologies. But um, there's lots to read, lots to go over, lots of revelations, because, again, the House of Cards is falling to the ground here. This comes from greatawakening.win. I think it's an excellent post, and it's an individual describing their, um, their internal medicine physician who is waking up to the jabs. Uh, here's what it says. It says, quote, well, it's titled, Internal Medicine Physician Takes a 180-Degree Turn on the Jab. It says, quote, I had my annual physical yesterday with my doctor. She's a former AF Air Force physician and is an internal medicine doc. She's been pushing the jab on me for the last couple of years. She, know, she knew that I was anti, an anti-vaxxer even for the flu shot. I told her six years ago when I moved here, and she still wants me to take the pneumonia shot because I'm almost 70. She claims it She claims it and the flu shots are safe. I disagree, but we'll research the pneumonia shot before I undergo that one. Yeah, don't, don't get that one. Um, it continues, it says, quote, yesterday she finally admitted that we don't know the long-term effects of the jabs. In addition, she mentioned that she drew the line when it came to vaccinating her own two kids who are in high school. She even said she got all the shots, but having been in the service, she had to take a lot of them, but wasn't going to impose this experimental drug on her kids. However, it limits where they can go on vacations right now. Aw. Isn't that too bad? Can't go on a vacation overseas because you're not jabbed to death. God dang. These people. And there's no civil war taking place? Come on, people. There is a huge civil war, and it is this. Uh, it continues, and it says, quote, I mentioned Vades to her, and she nodded. I had to come in to see her several times this year for extra blood tests to monitor a health condition. So I talked with one of the nurses who told me they were seeing lots of vaxxed people, lots of vaxxed people who were showing up with problems from the vax. Also, many who were upset that they were getting the vid while being double and triple vaxxed. The nurse also told me the office she worked in did not require them to get the jab. So she was thankful for that. She would have quit before taking it. I wonder how many other doctors are waking up, unquote. I'll tell you what, time is going to continue to tell on this. I, I enjoy these kinds of posts because, again, this is, this is my wheelhouse. It's posts like that that are qual- just qualitative reasoning and analysis, and I absolutely love it. It's, it's a combination of it's not just storytelling, but it's trends. You know, you're, you're seeing particular trends. And you've heard me again mention this jab spectrum. That right there is just another notch in the jab spectrum. You have an actual medical doctor who took all the jabs herself, but won't give them to her own kids. 
Again, wrap your head around that one. I'll inject myself with this unknown thing, but I won't inject my children. Well, why would you inject yourself then? It's, it's mind-boggling, and it's, not, it's, not, it's just not going to get any easier. It's absolutely incredible. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I have for this episode. Have a great week, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.